Thank you, Jamie and Rick. Be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Second Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. For those that pay attention to these things, uh, you'll notice that I'm going to be reading out of the King James Version this morning. Uh, I know in our congregation, we probably have about five or six different English translations uh, that you read from. Uh, and I look at just about all of them as I prepare to bring a message and looking at all of them and then looking at the King James, the King James actually uses some stronger English words for some of these concepts. And you'll see that as we go along, a little bit tighter uh, expressions. And that's what we're going to do is read out of the King James this morning. Now, I don't know if you remember your junior high grammar classes. I try to forget those if at all possible. But do you remember diagramming sentences? Well, the Apostle Paul uses long sentences. And thankfully, we're not going to diagram those. But I am going to pick one apart, kind of get to the main message of the sentence, and then we'll go and start adding in the different phrases and look at what he had to say. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Let's pray together, please. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of your word and how it applies to our lives. We need to hear from you this morning we ask that all of us would hear the message that you have for each of us and that, Father, we would listen, take it to heart, and make things right with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I want to zero in on verse 1, and that's where we'll frame our thoughts this morning. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Now, there's a main sentence here and two phrases or clauses in here. The clauses are this, seeing we have received this ministry. And the second one, as we have received mercy. But the main sentence reads this way, therefore, we faint not. Therefore, we faint not. 
That's the main message of the sentence. The other phrases are added to give some extra thoughts. But we want to look at this main thought. Therefore, we faint not. And, of course, I wanted to use the King James because that word faint is a one-word expression. In just about every other English translation, it says to lose heart. We look up that word faint, and we know what we think about in the English language. We think if you faint, you just pass out. And the word faint, of course, could mean that, just to pass out. But the original language includes several other meanings that are really familiar with us. All of these meanings have pretty much the same effect. Because when you faint, you're out of the action, right? You're out of the conversation. You're out of, you're out of play. You are just totally out of the action, off to the sideline. These other concepts of the word faint or to lose heart are all the same. The effect is the same. So we need to be aware when these things creep into our lives. First of all, the word lose heart, and the most obvious one we think about is to become discouraged. We come, become discouraged. And many times in our work for Jesus, in our work for the church, we become discouraged. Number one, sometimes because of lack of results. You work, you work, and you work, and nothing happens. And you become discouraged. You lose heart. You lose your enthusiasm. You lose the interest in what you're doing because of lack of results. And here's one. Many times we get discouraged because of lack of assistance. You ever thought, man, I'm just doing this all by myself. Where's everybody else trying to pitch in? I'm the only one that seems to be trying to do some work around here. That may be the way it is at your job. That may be the way it is at your home. That may be the way it is with whatever. And when you think you're the only one that seems to care and nobody else is on board, it's easy to become discouraged. And of course, Paul says, therefore, we faint not. So he says there is a way to keep from getting discouraged. Secondly, the word faint means to become weary. Close to about the same thing. Sometimes we're weary, we're not quite discouraged, but we're tired. We could be tired physically. We could be tired emotionally. Sometimes because of the demands of the day, lack of sleep, lack of rest, hadn't been able to stop to eat, we get weary. We get tired. Sometimes it is an immediate thing because of the, the nature of an emergency. Sometimes it's a long-term weariness long time coming on but when it comes on you're tired you're weary and the result is the same you lose heart you faint out of action sometimes it means to be reluctant in the first place you haven't even got into the action just never have really jumped in for whatever reason we never have really started in our work for the Lord. Well, the, the effect is the same. We're out of action. We're on the sidelines. We're not in the game. We never even got started. Then, of course, the fourth thing is to become lax, to become careless. Now, the first two, to become discouraged and become weary, uh, that's not very pleasant. 
But when we become distracted, a lot of times it's because we're, it's all too pleasant. We found something else to occupy our attention. We found something else that has pulled us off the sideline. We become lax and careless because other things are occupying our mind. Pleasant things, fun things, ambitious things. Nothing wrong with any of these things unless they cause us to faint. Unless they cause us to lose heart. To lose our enthusiasm for the work of God, for the things of God. And so we realize when we say we faint not, thankfully, I don't think I've ever passed out. If I have, I was asleep at the time. I don't think that counts, does it? (laughs) But I think we can all say when we look at these four meanings of the word, we are familiar with it, aren't we? We haven't gotten sidelined sometimes because we get careless. Sometimes we have been reluctant to get in. Then when we get in, we become weary. Or we become discouraged. All of these things take us out of the action. Well, let's look at the prevention and the remedies. Therefore, we faint not. That word therefore is there for a reason. So he says we faint not, but he tells us why. Many times the word therefore refers to something previously. And in this case, there are two things that are referred to. If you back up to chapter 3. Verse 17, chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Therefore, we faint not. We faint not because of liberty. Now imagine the enthusiasm of a prisoner of war who has been incarcerated or a prisoner that's been in jail for a long time, and the doors come open, the camp is liberated, do you think they're reluctant to go through those doors? Absolutely not. Do you think their enthusiasm to jump back into life? Absolutely. Do you think anybody's going to stay where they are saying, hmm, I don't know how things are out there. Hmm, I've got a place to lay down right here. I'm not real sure about it. No, they, they go through the doors with enthusiasm, with happiness. And Jesus says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now you might say, well, I've never been, I've never been incarcerated. Oh, yes, we have. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 22, 32, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. We have been in bondage. We have been incarcerated. All of humanity is a servant of sin. We are in servitude. But now in the book of Romans chapter 8, if you'll turn back, there's several passages, several verses that explain what happens. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Listen to this. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. 
For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. And because of the price that Jesus Christ paid, I am free from the law of sin and death. I've been set free. I've been set free because Jesus paid the bail. Jesus paid the price. You see, when we talk about redemption, we, think, we just think it's, it's salvation. Well, it's, it's a bigger word than that. It means to pay the price for someone's liberty. To redeem someone means that a price was paid. We are free through Jesus Christ. Therefore, we faint not because of liberty. We go to the next verse, verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We faint not because of the light of Jesus Christ. We all, with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Now that word glory is used back in the Old Testament where the glory of the Lord shined around the mountain. The glory of the Lord shined through the face of Moses at the point they said, you've got to cover that up. That's way too bright. We're talking about being lighted with Jesus Christ. Look in verse 6 of chapter 4. For God who commanded to light the shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. I told you he liked long sentences. It says this, God has shined in our hearts. God has given us light. And because of light, we can walk with confidence. It makes a lot of difference. If I'm walking through unfamiliar territory, if I've got a flashlight, I'm walking with a lot more confidence because I can see where I'm going. We have the light. Jesus Christ. We have it in here. We have the light. We have it as of the church. That's what we share with the world. Because of this, we faint not. Therefore, because of liberty, because of light, we faint not. Therefore, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We faint not because we've received mercy. Mercy is when we don't receive what we justly deserved. We were bondage to sin. We deserved the penalty for sin. But because of mercy, that penalty's been lifted. Whew, what a relief. Therefore, we faint not because that burden's gone. We faint not because of mercy. And, and in like manner, if you look back in chapter 3, verse 12, therefore, we faint not, seeing that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. We have hope and we use great plainness of speech. Well, that word plainness of speech means boldness. Now, bold is pretty much the exact opposite of feigning, isn't it? Because we have hope, we can be bold. You remember in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 31, they prayed in the upper room and the room was shaken where they were and they emerged from that upper room and spoke the word of God with 
boldness. There was nothing about them that was fainting. They weren't reluctant. They weren't timid. They weren't discouraged. They weren't disheartened. They were bold. And because of mercy and because of hope, we can be bold. And the apostles could be bold in their speech because of that. I read a story about Peter Cartwright. Peter Cartwright, he wasn't on Bonanza. That's not the Cartwrights we're talking about. But he was like those guys with Bonanza. He was a 19th century circuit-riding Methodist preacher. Now, those guys rode through the wilderness with a rifle and a Bible and their saddle and rode through the wilderness to these settlements, and they would preach. They were, they were bold men. They were courageous men. They were hardened men because they, they could handle the wilderness. There was not much they couldn't handle. <clears throat> Peter Cartwright was preaching one day, and someone whispered to him, President Andrew Jackson is in the congregation. Better watch what you say and be careful. Cartwright stood up. He said, I understand that Andrew Jackson is here this Sunday morning. And I've been requested to be guarded in our speech. And if Andrew Jackson does not repent, he's headed for hell too. <laughs> the congregation was aghast. They didn't know what would happen. After the service, Andrew Jackson walked up to that preacher. Everybody wanted to know what he was going to do. And he said, sir, if I had a regiment of men just like you, I could whip the world. You see, he was bold in his speech because the message is the message. No matter who's in the audience, right? And the power is in God's word. No matter where we have to go with it. There's boldness because of mercy. There's boldness because of hope. And therefore, seeing we have received this ministry, we have this ministry, we faint not. Seeing we have this ministry. You see, we faint not because of the task at hand. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we faint not. Well, where'd this ministry come from? Now, we talk about the ministry. It doesn't disqualify everybody because the word ministry means service. It's not like you surrender them. We have this service. We have this service. We have the task at hand. The task at hand is to shine the light of Jesus Christ to the world. The task at hand is to go into all the nations, starting right here, and share the gospel of Christ. That's the task at hand. We have to ask the question, where did that task come from? Did we formulate it? Did we get together in a committee and decide that's what needed to be done? Where did we get this task? The task came from God. Therefore, we don't faint. If you turn back to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. The exact opposite of fainting is mentioned. See, the task is important because of who gave it to us. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, they had a 
big task at hand. They were about to go in and actually inhabit a new country. They'd been wandering around for 40 years, had no infrastructure, had very few materials, had hardly any weapons, and they were to go in and inhabit and occupy a land. And look what God says to this group of people in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide an inheritance the land, which I swear to their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe and do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Verse 9, haven't I commanded you? Haven't I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. How did he clinch the deal? He said, hadn't I given you these instructions? Haven't I given you the task at hand? Whose work is it? It's his work. Whose church is it? It's his church. Whose job are we doing? It's his job. Therefore, we faint not. We faint not because we remember it's not our work. It's his work. But that secondly also, we faint not because the importance of the task at hand because of who gave it, but because there's too much at stake to quit. I like the pointedness of the King James Version in verse 3. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Who else is going to share the gospel with the world? Who else? It's the church or nothing. Congress won't. The Supreme Court will not. No other government entity will not. Commerce will not. Fortune 500 companies will not. Entertainers will not. Who has been trusted the task of sharing the gospel with the world? We have. If we don't do it, it's hid to them that are lost. You see, we faint not because there's too much at stake to quit. There's a world in darkness that needs the light of Jesus Christ, and we're the ones with the light, period. And if we fail to shine the light, it's hid to them that are lost. But if we get a little bit more personal, look around the building. There's a next generation that needs to know Jesus Christ. There's an upcoming generation that needs to hear the story of Jesus. And if we quit, and if we faint, and if we back up and slack up and get on the sidelines, who are we letting down? There's some precious little souls that need to hear about Jesus Christ. Now, therefore, we faint not. Makes a big difference, doesn't it? Then there's the expectation of the team. I like that Paul is deliberate here. Therefore, we faint not. 
He didn't say you faint not or I faint not. We faint not. Listen, none of us are a solitary soldier fighting alone for the cause of Christ. There's a team involved. First of all, there's the big team. There's the big team of the family of God. We call it the church. And we're talking about the big team of those who have trusted and loved and worked for Christ in all times and in all places. And the writer of the book of Hebrews referred to this when he said, we're compassed to ground with so great a crowd of witnesses. Therefore, let's run with patience the race. What is he talking about? He was talking about in Hebrews chapter 11, all the heroes of faith. And in chapter 12, he said, look at this cloud of witnesses. We're part of that team. We're part of the big team. But then let's narrow it down. We're part of this team, the local church. We faint not. This team, the local church. You see, there's teams all over this county. Good teams. The local churches. This is the team God has assembled here. And let me say this. I'll be the first to say the team that God has assembled at Brister Baptist Church is second to none. He's put together a team, a team of folks who love Christ, a team of folks who are talented. You do things I could never do, a team of folks who work hard. You see, this team, we're dependent on each other. You know, people pass by and they see our building, they hear about our Awana program, they say, what are you doing out there? I said, my biggest challenge is to stay out of their way. I've got a team that is second to none. But you see, what happens is we're all dependent on each other not to faint. But I need you to remember, don't faint. You've got teammates to lean on, teammates to, to help us through. We've got teammates to pray us through. Therefore, we faint not. But we can't leave without this promise. This is not in this letter to the Corinthians, but it's in a previous letter. He said, therefore, we faint not. But look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says it in almost the same way, but a little bit stronger. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. We have to go all the way back to the first of the sentence, and it's a sentence that's about 300 words long, but that's the way Paul liked to do that. We want to complete this thought. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. This corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Sting of death is sin. Strength of sin is the law. But, thanks be to God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, 
unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Listen to this. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Therefore, we faint not. Because Jesus said this. We are on the winning team. Don't forget which team we're on. We prepare for an invitational hymn. I ask, are you on the team? Are you in the family of God? See, all this is about you. Because if the gospel is hid, it's hid to those that are lost. Why is God making such a special effort? Because he loves you. He loves you and he knows you're in bondage to sin. He paid the price to set you free. He loves you enough to have done that. And if you don't know Christ as personal Savior, you're still a slave to sin. He loves you too much to leave it that way. So he lets you know that he is your path to spiritual liberty and to everlasting life. It's all about you. Don't leave here missing out on that. Now, perhaps you're here and you say, yes, I'm saved. And I was saved a long time ago. Lots happened since then. Maybe I'm on the sideline. That's the beautiful thing about Christ. We can let him down. We can disappoint him. We can get out of line. We can get out of work. We can get out of the game. But when we repent and are ready to come back, he says, come back on the team. He'll put us in a place to work. Have you found your place to work for the team? Have you found your place to work for Christ? We faint not. Maybe you're just about that ready to quit. Don't faint. Don't quit. That's too much at stake as we stand and sing. Number 121. Number 121.